If you've noticed, there's three chairs up here. I will not be the only one speaking tonight. Hey, pay attention. Tonight, we are honored and delighted to have some of our very own hype leaders, Jordan and Mackenzie Rickey, to share their testimony with us. So why, why this and why now? Um, one, I just got off of a honeymoon, and I did not feel like prepping over my honeymoon week. Um, and so I delegated like a good leader. Two, um, in this series of crucial questions, we must realize and we must consider um, some questions in, in our lives that, um, that we're faced with. And the question of who is God? Is God real? And does God love me? Does God have a plan for my life? In our series of crucial questions, I think it's appropriate to have people share their story of how God has worked in their lives and through their lives and how God has changed them as evidence to answer some of these questions. And so, will you welcome to the stage Jordan and Mackenzie Rickey. So for those who don't know Jordan McKenzie, Jordan helped leads the middle school small group with me, and McKenzie leads the small group uh, girls um, for Hype as well. And so for you who have them as your small group leaders, pay attention because they'll be your small group leaders tonight, and they expect you to know what they talked about. So, Pop quiz. I'm just kidding. Yeah. You will be tested. It is pass-fail. <laughs> so... First question that we have, and basically I'm going to just ask them some of these questions, um, what I would consider crucial questions for a person's life, and then they're just going to share their personal um, testimony of, of um, in response to some of these questions. So, question number one to you, Mackenzie. What was your life before your relationship with Jesus? Yeah, so um, can, I kind of went ahead and lumped one and two together. They were kind of, um, I just kind of felt they were a little wet with the flow a little better. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little background. and Go for it. So my name is Mackenzie, as for those of you who don't know me. Um, so I'm going to give just a little bit of background about myself. Um, I'm sure like some of you here... Sorry if I'm out of breath and I breathe heavy. I, it's not because I'm pregnant, but <laughs> I'm trying not to play. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sure like some of you, um, I grew up with the same, um, similar background. Um, I grew up knowing the famous Bible stories, um, saying the bedtime prayers at night, um, going to church every Sunday with my parents and my two sisters. Um, my parents kind of had a different a difficult um, history prior to their marriage, and so they tried really hard to really just be that godly example in um, my, my siblings' life growing up, and they, they were awesome. I am really thankful for their um, guidance in my life. So like I said, I grew up knowing Jesus uh, my whole life, um, knowing the scripture. So um, thinking back to what my life looked like before Christ, um, I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, I was very young when I, when I knew Christ my whole life, so kind of tying, going back to that first question. Um, but um, I would say 
that the moment that led me to my acceptance of Christ was um, at a winter, winter jam concert um, back when I was younger. Um, I was about 12 years old. Um, I remember, um, you know, during intermission, they have that prayer that you, they typically offer, and I, I did. I felt convicted during that moment. I felt um, just overwhelmed with, with just conviction and also just my need for a Savior. So um, that was kind of one moment that was crucial to my acceptance of Christ at a younger age. Um, but I also believe that it wasn't necessarily that prayer that saved me. I think that's important to note. Um, I think that it was God slowly opening my eyes to my need for him and over time. And um, a few months later, I got baptized. Like I said, that was when I was 12. So um, let's see. Yeah, that's question one and two. So, <laughs> Jordan, what was your life like before your relationship with Jesus? Okay, so similar to Kenzie, um, I also grew up in a very Christian, Christian, I wrote Christian heritage-led family. Um, So my whole life, ever since I was, could go to church, I was at church and in Sunday school. So um, I would say for most of my life, I, I have known of a Jesus, of a God, and and kind of knew that at any point in my life I had somebody I could turn to. So for me, personally, I would say there probably wasn't a point in my life where I didn't know there was a Jesus or somebody who who died for my sins. You know, I remember growing up in Sunday school. Every Sunday I'd come in. My grandpa was a Sunday school teacher, and he had a red marble in his pocket. And every Sunday he'd show me the red marble, and that was... That was my grandpa's reminder of Jesus shed blood on the cross. And so I eventually got my own little marble, and so we'd, I'd bring it in as a little grandkid, and we'd compare our marbles or whatever. But So for me, like, my family definitely drove it into me like there was a Savior. There was somebody who died for me and um, gave me that chance of salvation. Um, so I was very blessed to have even, like, my great-grandparents all the way down through my parents. Um, that was... Uh, that was always something that was a relative thing in my family. It was always prayers at, you know, family gatherings at before bed, you know. Um, so I, I just grew up that, and that's all I really knew. And obviously not to say, like, I, I don't know that I was probably saved when I was a young kid, but, like, I knew, I knew there was a Jesus. Maybe I didn't fully grasp what that meant, but I knew there was a Jesus. I knew there was a Savior out there. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my... Probably my answer to my life before Jesus was, I don't really, I wouldn't say there was really a moment there was no Jesus in my life kind of situation. Thank you for answering. So for some of us, we can um, relate. For some of us, um, it's hard to relate. But for those who grew up in church, for those who who went through sun chasers or have gone through some sort of Sunday school setting, we we hear these stories and they're good stories and we remember these stories and it's it's good knowledge um, and, and that's something that has been expressed. But one key thing, uh, which we'll be going into our next question, which Kinsey uh, touched on a little bit, was more of a conversion moment. So the crucial question is, you know, what's my life before Jesus? It really is a question of who is Jesus to me. Is Jesus just a story that I've heard 
in Sunday school? Is Jesus something that I know about? Or is Jesus real to me? Not just knowing that he's real, but do I have this relationship that is real, this conversion moment that I know I'm a sinner, that I am convicted, that I need a savior? And then you continue that with making him Lord and following him. So that goes into my second question. Kinsey kind of answered it in her first answer. But Jordan, for you personally, what events led to your moment of conversion when you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Um, so I'll just kind of continue on what I said. You know, I grew up knowing Jesus. But I would say probably around 7th or 8th grade, I was attending Hype. And then I just kind of, I wasn't a very social person still, not very social. Um, so I don't like being up here very much. <laughs> um, but I was going to Hype, and I just wasn't, like, having fun. I just didn't enjoy going. So I quit going for a few years. And not to say it was, like, a, a falling out, because I didn't, like, turn into, like, a rebellious kid. But, like, I just kind of, like, Jesus wasn't, I didn't need Jesus in a sense. So, like, I wasn't doing my prayers as much, reading my Bible as much. I was going to church on Sundays, but, like, I was just sitting there listening. You know, not really not really listening, just, like, watching my phone, waiting for, like, 11.15, basically. Um, but then I don't know what changed, but about junior year I started coming back to Hype, and that was probably, like, the big turning point of when it was, like, real to me. You know, it wasn't, like, a family faith anymore. It was, like, it felt like it was my, becoming my faith. Um, so I just, I started coming back to hype. I was the only, I was the only junior. So everyone else was, there's maybe one senior, but I don't even think there was an older person. I was the only old person there. I was a junior. Everybody else was younger. Um, the most, you know, Sarah. So I, I went to hype with Sarah and, and all them, even Kenzie at one point eventually came in. Um, so yeah, that that's when it started becoming real for me. And then um, probably, I think it was my senior year, into my senior year, um, I would say I accepted Jesus like, and, and fully as Savior my junior year and like that, the concept of that. And then my senior year was like the wrestle of baptism. Like what is baptism like? What is the timing of that and stuff like that? So that's something I had been wrestling with and thinking about for a couple months right up until our missions trip to Mississippi. And um, another student wanted to get baptized in Mississippi. And, you know, I had prayed about it, and I talked to Eric about it, and I was, told him, I was like, you know, I think this is, what like, my next step, you know. Um, and understanding that, like, baptism doesn't save me, but it just it's my declaring that I am choosing to follow Jesus. So that was like probably the biggest point in my Christian was my Christian walk was like my junior senior year like just fully accepting and making it my own faith and then my baptism just to kind of um, show that to everybody that that's what I was choosing to do. I think that's all. <laughs> Thank you. A little loud. Um, Kinsey, did you want to add anything on to that second question for you, or was there anything to add to that? For you personally? Um, I, I don't think so. I think that, yeah, that was pretty good, I think. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Um, so next question. Okay. So we have this progression. That every person has this experience where um, they, whether they grew up in church or not, you have this experience when you become a Christian that you realize that you need a Savior. 
right? That you realize that you're sinful, you have sin, that um, sin separates you from a, a relationship with God. And the only way to come back and have this right relationship with God is to accept Jesus' sacrifice for your sin. But what happens after you accept Christ as your Savior? What happens after you make this commitment to follow Jesus for your life? Because there's changes that should naturally happen. There's things that should change. You listening, guys, back there? What happens after you make this declaration that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord? So, Kenzie, starting with you. How has Jesus Christ changed your life since your conversion, and what are some evidences that the Holy Spirit is living in you? Yeah, so um, God has changed my life in radical ways since I got baptized, especially at a young age. Um, First off, he has given me um, hope to withstand um, extreme, you know, trials and tribulation. Um, When I was 14, my dad passed away because of a, a heart attack. Um, It was very sudden, um, and it was world-shattering, to say the least. Um, I struggled greatly during high school, and especially my freshman year. That was um, terrible. Um, I was very um, just, like, paralyzed by, like, this grief and unable to process it, you know. Um, I was young. Um, But I I shut a lot of people out, and I, you know, I came to Hype, and... um, I, I loved coming to Hype, but I don't think I truly um, let myself um, ask um, the leaders for help and ask and reach out. And, and that's something that I want to encourage you guys to do, too, and um, use these people like we're here for you. And um, anyway, that was just my rabbit trail. But anyway, so I went through high school and just kind of slapped a smile on my face and um, just tried to be a good person, um, you know, tried to... Um, be normal. I just wanted to be normal, right? Um, I sought a lot of appreciation and approval from people, from my friends. Um, I wanted to be perfect, unharmed, and unshaken by um, this broken reality of what had happened in my life. And and um, I had this very clear image of what I wanted people to see me as on the outside, um, very strong and tough, which was so fake. Um, so long story short, I learned um, that we need people, we need community, and um, even if you don't want people, um, we need people. So um, anyway, um, you cannot deal with things alone. Um, be- but because I had a relationship with Jesus, I remember just having true hope and, and um, being able to get up in the mornings and, you know, have I have um, joy and um, James 1-2 was something that was a huge impact um, on my life, and it was, you know, um, considering it joy to the trials that you face. And so, um, yeah, I thank the Lord every day for um, his faithfulness through that trial and the way he has shaped me um, since then. So, um, yeah, which is just evidence of God's, of his faithfulness through through suffering. Um and another um, way the Lord has been evident in my life as a believer is um, him growing me in my own um, faith and claiming my own personal love for Jesus. Um, <clears throat> and like Jordan said, kind of making my faith my own. Um, ever since I could remember, it was 
always important to do the right thing. You know, as a kid, your parents tell you, do the right thing, do the right thing, which is great. You know, that's what they're there for. Um, but one question that kind of convicted me later um, in my life was just this question of, was my motivation to um, be a Christian based off my approval from others? Or was it a genuine um, desire to do the will of God out of my love for him? Um, you know, like I said, I was very much a people pleaser and I wanted to make my mom proud, my family proud, my friends um, happy. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just think that that was something that that the Lord has grown in me and has kind of revealed to me um, my motives. And so I, I believe that I had a saving faith um, my younger years, but, but perhaps my motives as a teen were not simply all to further God's kingdom, but instead for this um, need to feel like accepted or um, praised by people in my life. So um, I just want to encourage you guys with this. Um, sorry, I'm rabbit trailing, but... <laughs> um, I just want to say this, that a relationship um, born out of obligation is not necessarily a genuine, healthy relationship. And choosing to be a Christian um, just because that's something you were told was the right thing to do it, it isn't necessarily the right thing. Um, and I want to be clear on this, that following Jesus, it should be a choice. Um, I don't want to step on any toes, but... Um, an it's not an obligation that you commit to um, with fear of disappointing somebody, right? Like, you don't want to disappoint your parents or your, your friends. Like, it's more than that. And I just want to encourage you to think about that and, and think about where your heart is in that and, and just, you know, ask yourself, like, what are my motives behind maybe following Christ or doing this? Um, anyway, that was just my encouragement. But because I I've, I've totally, I felt that pressure um, as a teenager, to do the right thing, just to feel like accepted or success, successful or whatever. Um, so anyway, since my conversion, I would say one of the biggest challenges um, for me, um, like I said, was during my adult adulter years, was really questioning my motives. Um, and so, and by God's grace, he has opened my eyes to my sinful um, need for human approval and is continuing to point me towards uh, my identity in Christ. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. Sorry yeah. for the rabbit trail. No, it was really good. <laughs> some key things that I heard was um, some fruits of the spirit, hope, yeah. joy. Kids, students, I, I hope you understand this, that without Christ, there is no hope and there is no joy. There's no true joy. Joy is everlasting. It defies your circumstance. We talked about this in our, fruit, in, in our second crucial question. Um, lesson is, can I have joy in this life? And that goes the same with hope. Hope defies your circumstance. Whatever you're going through, Christ gives you that hope and he gives you that joy no matter what circumstance. I mean, even through losing a father at a young age, something that is devastating would crush, would crush me. I'm sure it's super hard. And the only reason we're able to get through any trial in life is because of the hope that Christ gives us. So, thank you so mm -hmm. much for sharing and being mm -hmm. open with that. Jordan, your turn. How has Jesus Christ changed your life since your conversion, and what are some evidences that the Holy Spirit is living in you? 
I'm going to kind of follow up on what you just said about not having hope just real quick because it's in here, just not my start of it. But um, I didn't go through the death of the par- death of a parent, um, but my parents did get divorced uh, three or four years ago. Um, and it's true. I truly think if I was not a believer that it, I wouldn't have been able to handle the situation as I did. Um, I mean, I talked to countless people in the church, like people I never would have met had I not been coming to church following Jesus. And had I not been able to talk to people, I probably would have just bowed it up and it would just eat me alive because I, 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 I've seen it in my family. You know, I saw what it did to my siblings who made, whose faith isn't as strong as what mine was at the time. Um, and they didn't handle it as well as I did. You know, I had people I could go talk to. I felt comfortable talking to people. Um, and I think if I wasn't, if I didn't believe, I felt like I would have pointed the blame elsewhere. I would have been angrier at my parents. And eventually, you know, I was, I was, I was upset at what happened um, between my parents. Yeah. But eventually I realized, you know, maybe this, you know, I wouldn't wish this on my parents or my siblings or myself or anybody, but, like, maybe there's a reason this divorce is happening. Maybe my maybe my dad will end up being happier. My mom will end up being happier because of this. Um, granted, biblically, you know, divorce is not correct, but I started looking at, like, the bigger picture. Maybe it wouldn't be better if they stayed together. You know, I want them to. Obviously, I, I don't want my parents to split up, but maybe there's a reason this is happening. Maybe it'll just be better for both of them. Um and I think had I not been following Jesus, I think I would have struggled with that a lot and just been a lot angrier um, and not seen like or not had a hope or a joy for the future of my parents, you know, um, because, yeah, that the last thing I wanted was my parents to split up. But ultimately, you know, that's not my say. Um, but I can say now that God did have a bigger plan. Um, so I, I'm thankful at the end of all of it. But anyways, just to kind of go off of that. But I would say, after my conversion, like, it really opens your eyes to, like, grace and mercy and, like, what a blessing is. Like, all the things maybe we take for granted every day. I started seeing, like, that's a blessing. Like, for me to just be able to have a job, to have a house, to be able to eat, like, that that's a blessing. You know, and I'm thankful for that. And now, um, we're with us being pregnant, like, we're, we're overjoyed. And, like, what a blessing it is to have a kid. You know, I've always wanted to be the dad, so, like just to be able to experience that joy and that blessing. Um, and just to know, like, no matter what, if, you know, if I upset Kenzie, like, just with us both being believers, like, I'll be able to, you know, experience forgiveness. Um, and without Jesus, you know, maybe we'll just be mad at each other forever. You know, you never know. Um, so just to be able to know that, like, yeah, I might hurt her, but there's the hope of forgiveness because of G- Jesus forgave us. Um and that's a big thing because I'll tell you now, marriage isn't perfect. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. butterflies no, and rainbows all the time. Wait, what? I just got married. Yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's so easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who is your uh, right? marriage counselor? Right? Yeah. They lied we to did. you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think we had the same marriage counselor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's not, it's not butterflies and rainbows, but I wouldn't change it for the world. There's definitely more ups and downs. But if there was no presence of God in either of our lives, that would just make our relationship that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful in my life to have Jesus and in her life that she has Jesus. Um, just otherwise, yeah, our lives could be a whole lot more difficult than they, well, they're not really difficult now, but it could be a lot worse. Um, 
Yeah. I think it's all mine. <laughs> Thank you. So one, one big thing that Jordan mentioned that I want to make really clear um, to you guys, and hopefully you were paying attention, he talked about being more aware of how God was working in his life, of grace and mercy. It's really easy, and I've been there, trust me. I was in your shoes at once, going to school, going through the humdrum of a school year or through summer, and the only time you really think about God is when you come to Sunday church and hype on Sunday nights. One day out of the week. And it's really easy to compartmentalize. I view God and I worship God here, but the rest of my life over here is what I want to do, and it's all about me. And, I, and I'll just kind of echo what Jordan was saying. It was after conversion, a huge evidence of, of being saved and a huge evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you is seeing God in the small things. It's just not these huge miracles um, that happen that we see, oh, like, there's God. No, no we see God in, in the small things, too, of, Waking up. Do you realize that waking up every morning is a blessing? The fact that you're not dead in your sleep. That God still allows you to wake up like that in itself is just something that shows that God is still at work and it's just part of God's grace in your life. So one of the cool things about just having this relationship with Jesus is that you see him in these small parts not only do you see God present, but you see God's grace and forgiveness. And because the more you become closer to Him, the more you see your sin. And the more you see your failures. But the more you see God's grace and love for you in the midst of those failures. So, thank you for sharing. Last question. Um, and you guys can answer ind individually or you can tag team this. Um, it doesn't... Whatever you feel comfortable. This last question. So, to give this some context, after we become believers, uh, and after we, we have this change and the Holy Spirit lives in us, and, and we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, it should not only affect our lives on Sundays, like I was just talking about, it should also, it should also affect our lives the other six days. It should affect how we play sports. It should affect how we do schoolwork. It should affect how we do jobs or when we work. It should affect how we treat others, whether it's our family members or siblings or classmates or teammates. It should affect every single aspect of your life. One area specifically that I asked Jordan and Kinsey to reflect on is how has their relationship with Jesus affected their relationship with others? Because this is key, hype students, this is key. Because what, how can we summarize the Bible in two phrases? Something I really hope you guys understand by the end of this year. How can you summarize the Bible in two phrases? Go, Mac. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. Amen. And if I truly love Jesus, it will overflow into my life and how I love others. Now, what a great picture of loving others. A great picture of this is, is marriage. So... For this last question, you guys answer how you want individually or together. How has your relationship with Jesus affected your relationship with each other? What are some examples of you loving your spouse in response to how Jesus loves you?
go next. Yeah, go next. Um, similar to like what I just said above, I just, for one, I think our relationship would be unhealthy. Um, whether it be lies or deceiving, kind of the same thing. But, you know, we could just have an unhealthy relationship um, because we don't truly love Jesus. It's hard to fully love somebody else. Um, so I think in that sense, we we have a healthy, really, obviously a healthier relationship because of that. Um, and because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, because of his grace and mercy, I'm able to then extend that to my wife in in moments when she may upset me or do something that uh, makes me mad, whatever it might be, you know, I'm able to, you know, extend grace and mercy um, and just love her. And um, what better model than how Jesus loved the church, you know. And so I do my best to, you know, use that model of Jesus to love my wife. And sure, I fail and sure, I'm not perfect, but Again, grace and mercy goes the other way too. So, um, and she's definitely extends that to me because I definitely fail my fair share of times. So, um, and through that and through Jesus' model, it just helps me, I think, to notice the little things that make her happy and just show love that way. You know, whether it's a note or just even sometimes a hug, it, she just wants to get a hug. You know, even it's the it's the little things that make her happy that sometimes I just I neglect, and it's not like it's a hard thing. Like a hug is an easy thing to do. You hug everybody, you know. But even just like to just walk up and hug my wife, that's something she would love. But do I do it all the time? No. Um, so just it, it helps me to notice the little things that really show love to her that go, goes a long way. But in my mind, is like, well, it's just a hug, you know. So I like that. I think just kind of one of the biggest, like, things that comes to my head, like, thinking about marriage and our marriage specifically in a practical sense without Jesus (laughs) I think we would just be a big ball of angry at each other all the time and I think like like honestly like without this picture of true deep love that Jesus shows us um we wouldn't be able to extend grace. We wouldn't understand how to do that. We wouldn't want to, you know, so why why extend grace to somebody that just makes me mad? You know, like, I think I think that is just, in the most practical sense, that's just what, I'm, what I picture is just, like, we would just be unhappy. Like, we would just be nitpicking each other. And, and that's why I think... Um, the grace of God is so important and that's the biggest game changer in our marriage is um, because of his grace like you like we can work things out like you know like we if we didn't have that like I said it would be a mess like I can't imagine what it would be like not showing grace to somebody not forgiving them because they did something super small and stupid that annoys you like forget to turn the lights off like like stuff like that. That's usually so, her. Yeah, like and so like I can only imagine. Like I just would make him so mad. Like if I didn't, if he didn't um, love Jesus. And so I know it's cheesy, but it's true. And that's why. Yeah, that's why I think a marriage apart from Jesus is just ultimately like you're. It's just it's not gonna be pretty. <laughs> so. I know. Yeah. No. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> so. 
I think this question applies to all of us more than you think. Because, and the people in this room, who do you think, uh, or the majority of people in this room are, are not married, right? You're, you're middle school and high school students. I would hope not. If you are, you need to see me and we will have a talk later. Um, but uh, I'm sure if you're sitting there listening to this, okay, cool, that's awesome. That This applies to a marriage. I see this. It's biblical. Um, and yes, my, uh, a marriage without Christ would fail. But how do I, as a student who's not married, who hasn't even thought of marriage, if you're like in sixth grade, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you have or not. I don't know. But how does this apply to me? You know what they described? Hey, guys, listen up. You know what they described? Forgiveness, grace, loving one another, complimenting one another, being positive to one another. You can take those same things and apply it to your friendships. You can apply it to your students that go to class with you. Because I know there's some annoying students in middle school and high school. There's some kids that can just make you mad, that get you really angry. But if we follow Christ, if we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to love Jesus, just how Jordan McKenzie showed forgiveness and, and grace to one another in marriage, we really need to show that to the others around us. Because that's also shining the light of Jesus. That's being that example for others. It's turning the other cheek when they don't deserve it. That's called grace. It's called not holding their actions against them and me trying to get back at them and what's called revenge. And letting that go, we call that forgiveness. Students, I hope you understand that this applies to you more than you know and more than you think. Because not only are we called to love God, but we're also called to love others. And loving others means forgiving others, means showing grace, it means showing mercy, it means serving them. Because how negative can a school system be? I feel like a lot of students can be really negative and can bog you down. They can critique you, they can make fun of you. I've been there. I've been bullied in high school. I know what that feels like. But why... Why not be different? Why settle for the average student? Amber and I, we have this slogan amongst ourselves, like, hey, we're not the average couple. We strive not to be average. We want to be above average. We want to exceed at life together. So why not be above average and exceed in your school? Why not give some compliments to some students that you go to class with? Care for them. Ask them how they're doing. Instead of making fun of them, tearing them down, why not build them up? Because that's what Christ does to you. He builds you up. He doesn't condemn you. He loves you. Christ didn't come into this world to condemn, but to save, to love. So, as we listen, and, and as, as we have listened to Jordan McKenzie share their story, share some testimonies about how God is at work in their lives and in their marriage, 
I hope you can take away some um, practical application points of how to love God, how to love others better. Like we usually do when you close testimony nights, I ask all the students to come up, and we're going to pray for Jordan McKenzie as a couple and individually. So if you would, stand up, come up to the stage. Okay. You're going to reach out, touch them, or just reach out a hand. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. And thank you for just Jordan and McKenzie and, and who you've created them to be and, and who they are and just their willingness to share and be vulnerable in, in their past, God, in their moments of difficulty and trials and um, just tribulations that they've gone through, God. Thank you for them being vulnerable and, and how you've affected their lives. God, we are so thankful that you have saved them, that you chose to save them, God, that you keep them close to you. God, thank you for um, just how they love one another in marriage, how they serve one another. I pray that they look to you as they love you and love others well. God, I pray as we go out through tonight, through this week, as we go back to class um, tomorrow and uh, as we just continue with our lives, that we look um, to Jordan McKenzie as they follow you for an example of how to uh, be uplifting to one another, of how to show grace and how to show forgiveness to one another. God, I just pray for their marriage and their future. Uh, especially with McKenzie being pregnant. I pray that you just keep them close to you. God, bless them in this time. Just give them people around them to just be joyous and to uplift them and just to encourage them, God, in this, in this season of life. We are so thankful, so thankful for them and them serving in our student ministry together. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.